What is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. We are in a new era of Ambitious. We start the next 100 episodes here today with probably one of my favorite conversations I can confidently say I've ever had. Um, Joe Walsh is a former congressman, former presidential candidate, political talk host, and just all around incredible human. He is somebody whose insights into the political landscape hold firsthand um, recollection, given that he's gone head to head with guys like our former president, and he's hung out with guys like our current president, and he has a lot of connections. And listening to him talk about all of this, talk about the political landscape, and talk about how he's become a pariah within his own party since taking a um, leave from the Republican Party to an extent, and pretty much exiling himself and saying, I don't believe in what you guys believe in anymore. And he's left. And until they get better, if they ever get better, he may not go back. So his insight into the political landscape is likely unmatched. And we also had a lot of fun talking a little sports and life in general. Joe's an incredible human. And that episode is right after a word from our presenting sponsor, Anchor. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is a former congressman, former presidential candidate, host of the Fuck Silence with Joe Walsh podcast, and the Joe Walsh Show live Mondays through Fridays, 3 to 5 p.m. Central. He is a politically polarizing figure and just an all-around great person and very excited for him to come on. So, Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, Dylan, I mean it. It's really good to be with you, man. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming on. And I want to get to the start of your political career before we get to anything else. So what ultimately inspired you to get involved with politics? Well, I've always loved politics. Um, I've, I, I'm older than you. I've <laughs> always been involved in policy, uh, trying to advance policies that I like and that I believe in. I've always had an, intru- an interest in politics. Uh, I had children pretty young, raised my kids. And then, you know, in 2010 is when I ran for Congress and got elected. Like a lot of people back in 2010, Dylan, I was just really pissed off about the direction of the country, namely the debt at that time. And so I said, the heck with it. I'm going to move back home and run for Congress. And I, heck, I won. Well, it was very impressive. You ended up beating the incumbent at the time, and then you went on to have a two-year term in Congress. What was that experience like? Uh, Dylan, it was crazy because, yeah, as you say, I did. Uh, I won a very close election against an incumbent. The Republican Party didn't help me get elected. The Republican Party didn't like me. In fact, the Republicans in Washington probably liked me less than Democrats did. So for two years, I mean, I uh, again, I'm, I, I wasn't a 25-year-old kid who went there. Um, I, I tried to get as much done as I could. I didn't want to waste time. But for a lot of people, Dylan, when you're in the House especially, it's like you're constantly running to get reelected. And I found those two years crazy because I spent so much time, you know, trying to get reelected in two years. Now, when you did go to get reelected, you fell victim to a sort of redistricting. Um, can you kind of elaborate on what happened there? And then ultimately your, um, your battle, I guess, against Tammy Duckworth for the next position. Yeah. So as you know, and we're doing it again this year, every 10 years, uh, we take a census and we, we, we redraw our congressional districts. 
typically the party in charge of the state gets to redraw the districts. I come from Illinois. I was a congressman from Illinois. Democrats control uh, Illinois and they control redistricting. So they drew me out of the district I represented and drew me into a district much more democratic and specifically drawn for Tammy Duckworth. So even though I was a congressman and Tammy was a challenger, it was an uphill fight for me. Now, ultimately, once you um, unfortunately ended up losing to Tammy, you ended up launching a talk show, and that's kind of where a bulk of your time has been spent since then in the media. What was that transition like? Was it seamless? Were there a couple bumps going from, you know, being on the floor to now talking about everything in the realm of politics? I guess, what overall was that transition like? It was pretty seamless for me, Dylan, because, again, when I went to Washington as a congressman, I didn't want to play around. I, I, I was serious. I slept on the floor of my office. I turned down all my congressional benefits. I turned down my health care. I, I wanted to get stuff done. And because I was a little different, I found myself on TV and the radio and in the media a lot. So I... I I guess I had a reputation as being very outspoken. And I I did something, Dylan, that most politicians don't do. I just said what was on my mind. And I told people what I thought. And I didn't care if it bothered people or what. But what but because I did that as a congressman, um it I, I got a lot of media attention. Um, because most politicians are afraid to do that kind of thing. So then I lose, it was very easy for me then once I was approached to continue to do media, mainly talk radio, uh, which I love because again, it's just me saying what I believe and having listeners call in, tell me what they believe. You know, it's pretty interesting. I think um, I didn't follow you much when you um, were in politics, but I've had the privilege to listen to your podcast over the past uh, year or so you've been doing it. I've been a pretty active listener, and I was actually just listening to um, your episode about the truth and if truth is something that a political party can, I guess, get away with. In terms specifically with this was the Republican Party. Can they continue to yeah. lie? And I was listening to that on the way here, and, you know, skipping ahead, I guess, a little bit in my questions, but, you know, when talking about the podcast forum and the talk radio forum, do you feel that you make almost, I guess, more of a bigger impact with that than you would in the political realm? Yeah, Dylan, the short answer is yes. And it's a great question. And Dylan, it's a very smart question. Um, Because politics has changed. So as a freshman congressman, I was one of 232 Republicans. I introduced bills, but they didn't go anywhere. You really can't do much. So what I decided to do as a congressman, Dylan, was use my position to try to bring attention to issues I care about. Um, And you see a lot of that today on both sides of the aisle. Uh, AOC is brilliant at it, advocating for her positions. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who I think is just a scary figure, but she's great at it as well. It's it's being a congressman for her is just uh, it's an it's a platform. 
And so you find that a lot of members of Congress, that's what they do it for because they can't really, they don't have a lot of control and power over actually passing legislation. So uh, on TV and the radio and podcast, I feel like I can reach more people than I did as a member of Congress. Now, in talking about um, something that it's got to come up, I guess, in the interview about your political career, you ran for president last year. You ran against the incumbent, Donald J. Trump. And what a stupid thing to do, Dylan. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> well, you, you just tied me into that perfectly. What ultimately, I wouldn't call it stupid, but what went through your head, I guess, when you decided to announce that you were going to run for president against the guy who has a pretty firm grip on the Republican Party, to say at the very least? I thought it was really important, and I was a Republican then. Mm -hmm. I left the Republican Party after I ended my primary challenge to Trump. So as a Republican back then, I thought it was really important that a Republican say that Donald Trump is not who the Republican Party is. This was two years ago. So I thought it was important for a Republican to make the case against how fucking unfit and dangerous this guy is. I had hoped, Dylan, that John Kasich or Mitt Romney, maybe a better name than me, would have stepped up and do it uh, because a lot of they don't like Trump and a lot of Republicans didn't like Trump, but no Republican had the courage to run against him. So I finally did. And I did knowing, Dylan, that it was an uphill battle I didn't realize how uphill it was until I got in. And as soon as I got in, the Republican Party began canceling primaries and caucuses all over the country. They ended up canceling 22 altogether. So it it was mission impossible. Now, in, I guess, your initial thought, you know, you mentioned, you know, somebody having the courage to step up to Donald Trump and somebody to at least go against him at the very least, even if, you know, it seemed insurmountable. But one thing that, you know, I was doing a lot of homework on, you know, especially Twitter and the way people, I guess, interact with you and something that got brought up in reference to your name was, did you run? And this is something to set the record straight. Did you run for the president, um, for the Republican presidential nomination, sorry, to I guess, get more publicity, or was it truly because of the courage? Oh, God, no, Dylan. I, uh, look, the world I came from, um, conservative media and uh, the Republican Party, if I wanted fame and fortune, the smartest thing for me to have done these last five years was be like a Sean Hannity and suck up to Donald Trump. If, if I wanted fame and fortune, uh, Dylan, I, I'd be like, you know, my friends, uh, like Jim Jordan, Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio, and I'd say Donald Trump's the greatest thing in the world, and I'd probably be back in Congress. Um, but because I, as a Republican slash conservative, came out three or four years ago and opposed Donald Trump, let me tell you, man, I, I lost everything. I lost my career. I lost my radio show. I lost my livelihood. I lost all of my followers. I lost friends. I get death threats on a regular basis. Um, uh, Fox News will never have me on again. 
So, so no, you, uh, it, it's a long winded way of saying Dylan to, to do something like that. You need to know what you're going to lose. And I, and I knew it, but I just felt it was the right thing to do. Well, thank you for setting the record straight on that. Now, something that is, you know, you just, hit on here you came almost a you became a pariah within the republican party where it seemed like you were exiled just because you decided to step up against donald trump and a lot of people have not stepped up against him you see a lot of guys like ted cruz and josh hawley you know i guess bow down to him in hopes that they will get political fame and eventually his endorsement and you know guys like you and guys like mitt romney who have had the courage to step up. What do you ultimately think that does to the Republican Party in the long term? I mean, you're no longer a member of it, but what do you think, you know, people actually stepping up and saying, you know, we can't just follow the MAGA and the Donald Trump-led version of this party and rather, you know, kind of have the courage to continue to treat politics with dignity. What do you think that ultimately does to, I guess, closing the divide between consciousness and awareness and i guess lies yeah dylan look and if you study my history you know i've got a lot of flaws and i've got a lot of faults and i've said a lot of things and tweeted things uh, because i say what i believe um but i think the one thing you can say about me is i do and say what i believe even if it costs me everything and what I've done these last four years has cost me everything. But I think it's really important, and I'm not the only one, Dylan, but I think it's really important for people to see higher profile people like me demonstrate courage so that they can then demonstrate the same courage. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think we ever get to change unless we do that. I personally believe the Republican Party is is a dying political party. Um, I think part of what's got to hasten its demise is more and more people displaying courage to say, I want no part of that party and let's start something new. So I think, Dylan, it takes the first few who are going to get beaten up um, and I'm still standing to show that you can do it, and then more and more people join. Well, let's talk about, I guess, the still standing, because you've had to encounter, whether it be political battles, as you said, or losing friends, but you've also become, I guess, very, very controversial on Twitter, and not by your own accords to an extent. A lot of people like to go at you and combat yes. you about just about everything, whether it be Dr. Seuss or whether it be, you know, genuine policies, you are consistently getting attacked to an extent. So what what is that like, I guess, to kind of put into words being somebody who, you know, the Democrats aren't going to stand by you and the Republicans aren't going to stand by you in this sense and playing that middle it's, road? What is that like? Yeah, Dylan, again, I got to I got to commend you, man. Uh, that's a really good question uh, because I am, I, I've, it's lonely. I can't tell a lie. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting because every day I'm fighting with thousands of Trump supporters. And every day uh, I'll get tons of people on the left who don't like me or will 
go after something I said seven or eight years ago. So I'm constantly fighting. It's exhausting. But Dylan, I can't tell a lie. It's also really lonely. I don't know where I fit politically. I no longer fit as a Republican. I know what I am philosophically. Um, the MSNBC Democratic Party crowd is never going to embrace me. That's what it is. Um, so I don't really have a home. So all I try to do every day, Dylan, is just wake up and on Twitter or TV or on my radio show, I just continue to speak my truth um, and just and we'll see where it takes me. But it's lonely. I can't lie. Now, you know, you've talked in depth in, over the past couple of minutes about the ramifications of the decision. So ultimately choosing to leave the Republican Party, a party that you represented in Congress and a party that you ran for the presidential nomination, as we've reiterated, in ranking, I guess, some of the choices in your life and how hard they were, where does choosing to leave the party rank among those? Professionally, it's probably the most consequential decision I made. Dylan, I've always said, even when I got elected, Dylan, in 2010, I would always say in every speech, I'm a conservative, I'm a libertarian, I'm a Tea Party conservative first, I'm a Republican second, because I am what I believe. I'm not the party I belong to, but I have been a Republican my whole life, and a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, I left that party. And it's scary because a lot of people like me, Dylan, a lot of the never Trumpers uh, went and joined the Democratic Party. I have all the respect in the world for Democrats. I really do. But I'm not a Democrat. Um, some of them want to stay and fight in the Republican Party. I think the Republican Party is hopeless. So, um We've all had to make this decision. Um, what do we do now? Uh, but it's really scary because, uh, again, I'm older than you, Dylan. In my lifetime, in the rest of my life, I may never, ever fit in politically anywhere again. That's a scary thought. Now, you mentioned the future of the party consistently with the Republican Party, and you said it's hopeless. You said it's, you know, courage is just trying to hasten the demise at this point. Is there a route where there is a Republican Party down the road that is somewhat competitive and can take power back? I think what you got, Dylan, is you got the Republican Party. It is the Trump Party. It is the Trumpy Party. Trumpism now is the Republican Party. I think when I say it's dying, I think it's dying as a national party. I think it has a great future as a very strong regional party. It will do great in rural America. It will do great in red state America. So in a number of congressional districts, Dylan, it'll do really well. And it, look, the Republicans could win the House again next year. Uh, because of the nature of redistricting. But I think as a national party, I think it's over because as the Trumpy party it is now, look, Dylan, it's I'm a middle-aged white guy. It's the party of middle-aged, older white guys. 
People of color want nothing to do with this party. Uh, young people want nothing to do with this party. People who live in the suburbs, women. So it's not reproducing itself. It will not win another national campaign, I think, in my lifetime as it is. So I guess that, that ties very well into my next question here, which is, you know, 2024, if you had to, I guess, pick three guys right now, it seems like one of them comes to mind rather quickly, um, because if he wants it, it's his. But who who do you think ends up with the 2024 nomination? Uh, if Trump, as you say, Dylan, if Trump wants it, it's his, and nobody will run against him. And that's a really important point. I think your listeners need to understand that. If Donald Trump runs for president, no other Republican will challenge him. If he doesn't run, uh, then it's going to be a Trumpy person. Uh, I'd look at uh, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. I'd look at Tom Cotton, Senator from Arkansas. I'd look, and I don't, again, I'm not favoring any of these guys. I'd look at Ted Cruz. Uh, I'd look at Christy Nome, Governor of South Dakota. Um, maybe, probably not Mike Pence anymore, but it will be a Trumpy, Trumpy person. Speaking of those Trumpy, Trumpy people, um, Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. They were very, very much, I, I mentioned them a couple minutes ago of kind of bowing down to Trump. And, you know, when everything happened on hey, January... Dylan, do I have to, hey, Dylan, do I have to watch my language? Uh, no, you're allowed to let fly. Then let me just interject right now. <laughs> fuck Ted Cruz and fuck Josh Hawley. Continue. That's about kind of the way I felt about it when everything happened on January 6th. Because, we, you know, with Donald Trump, I think a lot is known. A lot is known in the way he handles things and a lot is known in the way he rallies people. But watching two people with very, very big political prowess and a lot of people behind them in Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley just support it so blindly and not because they necessarily believed in the insurrection and not because they necessarily believe in everything Donald Trump says, but more because they don't have the courage that you and Romney had to back to, or to go right up against Trump. They bowed down and backed down in hopes that down the road, they can get some political accord with that and get that endorsement or get some recognition for that. So in talking about these, I guess, as you labeled them, the Trumpy guys, what what stops them from having the balls to, I guess, step up? Well, I don't think it will. I guess the overarching theme, Dylan, is that all of us Republicans and conservatives, once Trump came on the scene, we all had a decision to make. Were we going to stay what we believe or were we going to sell our soul? And almost every Republican sold their soul these last five years. And by the way, Dylan, the same thing applies to everybody in my conservative media world. All the talk radio guys and all the guys on Fox News, once Trump came on the scene, they all had a, the same decision to make. Do we say what we really think or do we sell our soul? And most people in talk radio and Fox News, they all sold their soul as well. Um, Ted Cruz, uh, I'd say along with Lindsey Graham, uh, is one of the more despicable examples of soul selling because he threw his wife, he threw everybody under the bus. Ted Cruz wants to be president, Dylan. Josh Hawley wants to be president. They want to inherit this Trump party. Um, and they are willing to do anything, even cynically and dangerously, 
incite an insurrection. Because Dylan, as you said, you know, Trump's an idiot, but Trump does really believe he won that election. Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, they know the truth. They know the truth. And, you know, it's it's something that I've, I thought a lot about when everything happened in January of, you know, in comparing someone who has the, it's it sounds weird saying this, but in somebody who actually believes their convictions and has the, whether or not it's the right perspective is up to your interpretation. And obviously, you know, where you stand on this and it's pretty evident, I guess, where I stand on this, but for the listeners, it's up to your interpretation on it. But in talking, I guess, about Trump compared to a Hawley or a Cruz, it's almost more favorable, I guess, to have somebody who has the strength in their convictions versus somebody who's going to sell their soul. If I had to pick somebody to run in 2024, I mean, I mean, it's kind of not the best choice, but if you had to pick between Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz or Donald Trump, who do you pick in that case? Someone who's going to sell their soul or someone who has strength in their convictions? <laughs> that's, that's an interesting way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> because you're, you're right. Trump has no convictions. I, uh, um, I, look, I, I, the kind of politician that a Ted Cruz is and a Josh Hawley, um, is just anathema to me. It disgusts me. And part of it is Dylan, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pissed off because I've done what I thought was the right thing and I lost everything. These guys who've sold their soul, Dylan, they're still doing well. Uh, Sean Hannity sells his soul every night. He's still making millions. Ted Cruz is still a United States senator and could be a candidate for president. I, I agree, I think, with your premise that I probably have less respect for them than an idiot and a pathological liar like Donald Trump. Now, let's talk about cancel culture, Joe. Um, it's something that's become very, very prominent. Um, and it seems like the country is trending to a place where we bow down to it. So in talking about cancel culture, I guess, what what is your opinion, I guess? It's kind of the best way to word that question is, what is your opinion on cancel culture? Uh, Dylan, the topic fascinates me because I, I don't understand what it is. Um, I'm generally pretty libertarian. I believe that people should live their lives. You live your life, Dylan. I'll live mine. Let's stay out of each other's shit. Leave each other alone and everything will be fine. Um, I guess though, the problem, though, with like cancel culture is as a people – we just seem so much more easily offended these days. Again, Dylan, I'm older than you in my generation when I was younger, in my dad's generation. You know, if somebody said something that offended you 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago, you'd either just shrug it off, you'd punch the guy in the face, or you'd laugh and walk away. Now when somebody says something that offends us, it's like we want to get that person fired. That person should resign. That person needs to get down on his or her knees and apologize to the world. I, people should be free to say what they say. And you and I should be free to say that was a stupid thing to say. And somebody's employer, a private employer, should be free to penalize someone if they said something that the uh, company thought was stupid. But I guess the problem with cancel culture, Dylan, is 
we're all just so fucking overly sensitive and easily outraged these days about everything. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's it's definitely a tough um, somebody who's evidently in the media field and looking to continue to go that way. And I think it's something that no matter what realm you're in, what side of the aisle you're on, I think that having to any little thing you say at this point can get misinterpreted and that could be the end of your career. And it's something that's legitimately. And, you know, and, so Dylan, and, and Dylan, you know, the problem is this. If we continue down this road, you are not going to get people like me running for office. People who are not afraid to speak your mind. You're going to get people who are going to be afraid to say anything that might offend people. And that's the kind of politician we're going to get. They're going to be afraid to talk about race, afraid to talk about anything controversial. And by the way, you'll get the same thing uh, it, with people in the media. Um, it, it's, it's a shame because we're going to lose honesty and people having debates and speaking their mind. I th- I think that uh, you definitely hit the nail on the head with that one. Now, I have a couple guys here who you've talked about fairly prominently, and I think they're some of the biggest figures in politi- in the political landscape right now. So I'm going to say a name, um, and I want you to just give me a couple thoughts. doesn't have to be long at all. On said person. Uh, does okay. that sound good to you? Does that sound good? That sounds great, Tom. Oh. Thanks. All right, sounds good. So the first person is our current president, Joseph Biden. Uh, a good, decent man who is perfect for this moment. And uh, the fact that he's older and has suffered so much, uh, policy aside, he's the perfect kind of president for this country right now. Um, Governor Cuomo. Um, an arrogant bully, uh, who, um, was so full of himself that in the middle of a pandemic last year, he wrote a damn book about how well he was handling the pandemic. Um, what he did with nursing homes needs to be investigated, but all of these calls, Dylan, for him to resign based on allegations, investigate the allegations, but that's no reason for him to resign. AOC. Brilliant, fearless, tough, articulate. I think if not the leader of the, the number one future leader of the democratic party. Wow. Um, Uh, Former President Barack Obama, somebody you had a few run-ins with in the past. Um, A really good man uh, who was unfairly treated by people on my side. Uh, I would love more than anything to sit down with him for a couple of hours and see where he and I agree on stuff. Mike Pence. Makes me sad, Dylan, because I know Mike Pence well, and Mike Pence sold his soul. Mike Pence despises Donald Trump and knows how bad Donald Trump is. But Mike Pence put all of that aside 
because Mike Pence wants to be president. Makes me sad. Uh, Mitt Romney. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's, I, I, I'm okay with Mitt Romney. I, it, it, it bothers me when people hold him up as some paragon of courage. Uh, Mitt Romney still doesn't say who he voted for in November. Remember, after Donald Trump got elected in 2016, Mitt Romney went to him for a job. Uh, but I, I, I believe that the Mitt Romney we've seen in the last year or two um, has been spot on and point on, uh, and he has clearly put country above party. Um, and then lastly, uh, former President Donald Trump. Probably one of the most horrible human beings who's ever lived, um, unfit to have ever been president because he's incapable fundamentally of ever telling the truth. And he's incapable, Dylan, humanly incapable of caring about anyone or anything but himself. Now, in 2016, and in the lead up to that election, you know, you you were a supporter of Trump. And in that four year span where he's had been in office, what changed? What changed from you supporting him to you ended up supporting Joe Biden in this past election? I supported him in 2016, Dylan, because I knew why people were voting for him. Um, and, and let me explain. I, I, I knew I, I knew then why Trump appealed to so many voters because the same people Trump appealed to, I appealed to. Uh, Trump's voters were my voters. Washington, D.C., Dylan, back then, and I still believe now, needed some disruption. Uh, Americans, in my mind, both political parties were broken. Our politics was broken. Donald Trump ran as a disruptor. And, and, and there are good disruptors and bad disruptors. Now, I voted for him because he wasn't Hillary. I figured he's probably a goof. Maybe he'll appoint a couple good people. Maybe a couple good things might happen. I, I, am, I, uh, I committed a big mistake, a big sin, Dylan. I did not pay attention to Donald Trump in that campaign. I did not pay enough attention to him because I did not realize what a bad person he was until after he got elected. And then when I started to pay attention to him and I realized he lies every time he opens his mouth. And then uh, the final straw for me, Dylan, was Helsinki in the summer of 2018 when he stood in front of the world and said, I stand with Putin and not my own intelligence people. That was the greatest act of disloyalty I've ever seen uh, in uh, a president. Are you are you scared for the future of our country? Yeah, I'm scared. I'm concerned. I'm worried. Uh, look, before Donald Trump even came on the scene, Dylan, back when I ran for Congress and back when I was in Congress, I talked about how divided America was. I talked about the fact that I believe we are as we have not been this divided as a country, I don't believe, since the Civil War. And I, I felt that way before Trump 
that Trump didn't create the divide. The divide actually, I think, elected Trump. Um, so, yes, I'm very worried, Dylan. Uh, America is, is a country founded upon an idea, a few basic principles. And I don't know that we as a country believe in those basic founding principles anymore. That's uh, very, very honest and uh, a tough truth to think about uh, certain aspects of our country currently. Um, with all that was just said, with where you stand, what what does your political future look like, I guess? So uh, I'm going to keep speaking my truth and saying what I believe. And if that means, Dylan, I can never run for office again, then I'll never run for office again. I don't think I'll ever be a Republican again. So maybe I'll never be able to run for office again. I'm going to keep speaking my truth and saying what I believe. If, if that means I can't grow a real presence on the radio or be on TV as much anymore, then, then so be it. You and I talked about whether I'm worried about the country. I am. We're divided. And somebody like me, Dylan, I played a big part the last 10 years helping to divide America. Um, I want to spend the rest of my public career trying to bridge that divide, trying to bring people together, get all the sides talking. The other thing I want to do, Dylan, is 74 million people voted for Trump. 40 to 50 million of those are like cult members. I know these people. I talk to them all the time. I want to try to save as many of them as I can. Do you, do you have any regrets? <laughs> Tons. <laughs> we don't, you don't have a long enough show. Um, I do regret voting for Trump in 16. Uh, I wish I hadn't. I wish that I had paid more attention to him back then. I regret a number of things that I've said and tweeted over the last 10 to 12 years. There were times, Dylan, when I said and tweeted mean, stupid shit. Um, and I and, and I regret that. And I, I apologize when apologies are needed. So yeah, I regret some of how I've behaved. No doubt. I, I, I've acted like a bad boy too much, um, and I do regret that. Now, I, I do want to get to some lighter topics here. You know, this is a normally this is tending to be a sports podcast. Um, that's the way I kind of run things. Cool. But I I interview a lot of ambitious people, and you are somebody who I believe is one of the most ambitious people maybe in our country to this point. So that's the main focus for having you on. But I want to know, Joe, are you a sports fan? Fucking love sports, <laughs> Dylan. My whole life. So where do your allegiances lie? You know, you said Illinois. Are you a Bears fan? Well, I, I, I grew up in Chicago, born and raised a Cubs fan. Um, I uh, Larry Bird is probably my favorite athlete of all time. And so I love, I've always been a Celtics fan. Uh, when I grew up, when I was older, uh, uh, John Elway, I loved John Elway. So I was a Broncos fan. Um, I have been in love with Aaron Rodgers the last 20 years or whatever. So I'm a huge Packers fan. Um, I love golf. Uh, uh, that's about it. Love college football. Now, I want to talk about those Cubs quick, though. Uh, big Cubs fan. What was it like when they won a World Series a few years ago? 
it was, uh, again, you, I'm an old, old guy, man. My whole life uh, as a Cubs fan, I had been waiting for that. And if you remember that series against the Indians, they almost blew it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and they had to come back to win that. Uh, So it, it was, it was one of the sports highlights of my life as a tough Chicagoan. But you know what, Dylan, it's bittersweet because unlike a lot of Boston Red Sox fans, we were counting on two or three or four uh, World Series uh, with uh, with that group. And now that group's kind of been disbanded. Maybe they'll have a good year this year. But they did not reach their potential the last few years. I definitely agree on that. I think that uh, that was a team that a lot of people thought coming off that World Series could be the next dynasty, as you said. You know, win two, three, four, maybe five oh, more. yeah. And they haven't lived up to that. And it's been... I. I'm a Yankee fan, but I'd say it's been disappointing for the sport of baseball. I think it, that run was one of the coolest things I've gotten to experience as a sports fan to this point. So uh, that was cool. Now, I do want to get to football, though, here quick. Uh, um, the draft's coming up, a lot of different things coming up. Is there a player right now, aside from Aaron Rodgers, that you you love to watch? I mean, Brady just won a ring. Is there a player that... I hate Tom Brady. <laughs> I hate Tom Brady. Dylan, I'm going to say it one more time. I despise Tom Brady. I I, uh, it it just so bothers me that people, because he's got what now? Seven rings? Mm -hmm. Is that what he's got? Seven Super Bowls? Uh, I think more than that. I can't remember. I think I got that right. (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's just so, it's such bull. Like, like, so he's the greatest, he's the most, he's, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Bull crap. Dan Marino was a better quarterback. Joe Montana was a better quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a way more talented quarterback. We place so much stupid fucking emphasis on how many rings you have. Hell, Eli Manning, Dylan, has two Super Bowl rings. You telling me Eli Manning's a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers? Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer won a a Super Bowl title with the, the Ravens. Are you telling me Trent Dilfer is a better quarterback than Dan Reno, who never won a Super Bowl? This whole debate pisses me off. I, I'm sorry. I just when I hear Brady's name, I go crazy. You're good. Of all the things to get fired up in this interview, I'd say that was probably the peak fired up moment. And we talked about the landscape of our country, you know, <laughs> national politics. And Tom Brady, though, that was the breaking point for you, Joe. That was pretty funny. Um, you know, Larry Bird, uh, a debate, I actually went on a sports show yesterday, um, just coming out a little later than when I went on and, you know, something they brought up was who would you say is the better shooter, Larry Bird or Steph Curry? So I tweeted that out the other night over the weekend, uh, at the all-star game, I tweeted out that, uh, Steph Curry is the second best pure shooter I've ever seen. No contest, Dylan, none. Larry Bird was the best pure shooter I've ever seen in my life. He did it under pressure. Steph Curry's a god, man. I, I, I agree. But first, but you're a, hey, hey, Dylan, here's how messed up I am. I think Larry Bird is the best all around basketball player I've ever said. And oh. I say that around Chicago, man, and people throw stuff at me yeah. because you can't say that about MJ, man. Yeah. But I think Bird's the greatest. That's a uh, that's a polarizing take, Joe. Definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely one of your more polarizing uh, that we've talked about today. Uh, you know, I know you got to get out soon, so I want to ask you a question here. That's it's one I ask everybody who comes on this show, and it's 
probably the biggest, you know, when it's all said and done and your life is over, what, what do you want your legacy to have been, Joe? Um, you know what, Dylan, it's in my, uh, it's, it's in my Twitter handle. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Walsh freedom. Um, I, I value freedom more than anything else. Uh, as human beings, that's all we should yearn for is to be free to say whatever stupid shit I want to say, like Larry Bird's the greatest of all time, or believe in whatever God I want to believe in or not believe in a God. Freedom is it, man. And so when I'm dead and gone, if people can say that dude, he helped advance the cause of freedom, then then I'll be a happy camper. Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Where can the people find you if they want to uh, follow you on your social medias and listen to uh, some of your content? So if they want to follow me on Twitter, again, it's at Walsh Freedom. If they want to listen to two hours of Joe Walsh on the radio every day, go to GabRadioNetwork.com, GabRadioNetwork.com. Look for the Joe Walsh Show page. And if they want to listen to my other podcast, it's uh, Fuck Silence. Go to F, F as in Frank, FSilencePodcast.com. Hey, Dylan, this was fun. You're good, man. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the incredible Joe Walsh. My thanks once again to Joe. That episode was absolutely electric. Um, I'm sorry if uh, I didn't do a warning beforehand, but there are some words in there that aren't necessarily normal, ambitious words. But uh, as I said to Joe, I mean, it, it's something he's incredibly passionate about, and it's something that I think all of us are passionate about because it's the future of our country. And I really enjoyed getting to pick his brain, um, kind of similar to the Ariel Gold interview. Um, I don't agree with either of them on everything, but these are two humans who have incredible insight into the political landscape and getting to chat with them and talk about their opinions, their experiences is something I really enjoy. So I'm incredibly thankful Joe took the time to come on. Hopefully he'll come on again sometime soon. Really, really enjoyed talking to him and just a great all around guy. I can't say enough great things about Joe. Uh, with that said, reminder, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, that being Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, all of it. And you can also find us on Instagram at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter, Ambitious with DP, and YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, Ambitious listeners, and we'll be back next week with a draft preview show with Pro Football Focus's at Austin Gale.